Hey guys, it's Heather. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week's sermon is, We are well able to take our inheritance. Enjoy this message. In our remaining moments, we invite the Holy Spirit to be here with us as the Lord's been blessed today, hopefully in our worship, and we've been blessed and loved on by the Lord. We just invite the Holy Spirit, the teacher, to come and speak to us in these next few moments, His Word to move us forward in our destiny and purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. I started in July talking to you just for a little bit about spiritual inheritance. And it's a biblical thought, if you will, this, this term, spiritual inheritance. I don't have these particular scriptures for you. I shared them in July, but just to kind of recap a little bit. First Peter, I think it is, 1, 3, and 4 says something like this, that there is an inheritance that God has reserved in heaven for you. Romans 8 says, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a relationship with God that is beyond sins being forgiven. And I thank God. How many thanks God your sins have been forgiven, right? Awesome. But there's a relationship with God beyond sins being forgiven. And so when I talk of spiritual inheritance, I'm talking about a relationship with God that is beyond just sins being forgiven and going to heaven. When I talk about when I talk about spiritual inheritance, I'm talking about living in the earth with a relationship with God to where just as a son hears his daddy's voice, you hear your father's voice on a daily basis. I'm talking about living in relationship with God where you're you're continually knowing what the will of God is. Jesus had this kind of relationship. He said, I only do what I hear my father, I only say what I hear my father saying, and I only do what I see him doing. That is our inheritance as children of God in the earth to have the same relationship with God that Jesus had. I'll be back over here in a little bit. I'll come back over here. We don't hear this often in church, but it's a reality. See, Jesus came as a man, not as God. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world. But no different than God is in Dan. God is in Kent. God is in Scott. God is in you. Emmanuel, God with us. There's a relationship with God that he desires for all of his children to walk in, in the earth, to see his purposes and plans fulfilled in our lives. And this brings us to the story I want to focus on just for a moment today. And it's this month, the month of Av, the Hebraic month, is the month where Israel, God's people, were at the promised land and they were about to step into the land of promise, the promised land that God had promised for them. And you know the story, hopefully. Moses led them there and God instructed them to send 12 spies in. 12 spies go into the land and they survey the land. They come back and they had a great report. There's great fruit. There's a lot of blessings. There's a lot of things in there and, and let's go get it. But then 10 spies gave a negative report and said, yeah, there's good stuff in there, but there's a lot of giants. And actually, they're so big that in our eyes, we look like grasshoppers. And it, if yes, it's available, but don't try to go in there because it's dangerous. And it says the nation believed the negative report and they went back into the wilderness and spent a whole lifetime in the wilderness and died in the wilderness, never inheriting the promised land. That's the month we're in right now, month of Av. 
I could take you through history and I could show you that now a curse is at work in that nation that every ninth of Av something destructive happens in the nation of Israel because of that time of disobedience. What was meant to be a celebration of God's goodness and promise being fulfilled turned into a curse. This is the month to choose. Do you want to go back in the wilderness and live in a curse or do you want to enter in and go into God's blessings and walk with God? That's what we do this month. This month we choose. Do you want to go on in with God or do you want to go back again in a wilderness experience where all these wars and and all this stuff happens and all these problems and issues or do you want to enter in to what God has for you and move in your purpose and destiny? This is the scripture, Numbers 13, 30 says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to to overcome it. I just want to tell you today, whoever you are under the sound of my voice, whatever you're facing that's keeping you from entering in to walk into the fullness that God has for you, I want to tell you a word from God. You are well able to overcome whatever you're going through right now and enter in the presence of God. Touch three or four people and just tell them you're well able. Just tell them you're well able. Now I love it that I have two sons and their names are Joshua and Caleb. I like that. We don't like negative spies in our house. Come on, somebody. Joshua and Caleb gave the good report. They're the ones that said, we are well able to go in and possess the land. Let me focus just quickly on land, spies, giants, and the word possess. The land I'm talking about, obviously, is not a physical land. It's a spiritual land. They had a promised land. You and I have a land of promises. When you read this, this is not a physical land, but it's a spiritual land, and it's full of promises. And this is what God tells us, that we have as an inheritance that Jesus has already paid for us to have. We have a spiritual inheritance that are the promises of God. Now, what are the spies? Well, the spies are men and women that God has allowed to go in and spy out the land. I'll never forget I was uh, with a couple of great men of God and we were, they were having a spiritual conversation about a spiritual realm that I knew nothing about. And I've been around spiritual people. Have you ever got around spiritual people? They just walk in peace. You, know, you ever got around somebody, they're just, they just got peace. And you're like, man, how do they walk in that? Have you ever got around people that are just so full of love? You know, it just oozes out of them and you just get around them and they're just full of, have you ever got around people just full of joy? Right? It doesn't matter what kind of situation. Like, somebody's like, no, I've never been around those people. I came to church looking for them, but they, they, they weren't here. You know what I'm talking about. Spiritual people. People that you get around them and they're encouraging. People that you want to be like. People that you, that, that you admire, that you, they're spiritual and and, I, and I'll never forget, I was sitting around these couple of spiritual guys and they were talking about a realm in the spirit that I knew nothing about. And they live a life of intimacy with God and, and, and power of God and they carry the word of God and, and they seem to know what God is saying and what God is doing and they follow him. And I was sitting there watching them and I said, God, these must be really special men. Chosen vessels, if you will. Thank you for them, Lord. I honor that. Just like this, the Holy Spirit said, they're not special. They're not chosen. They're spies. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, I've simply allowed some to go in ahead of you to come back and tell you what's available if you'd like to go in and take some of it yourself. All these preachers and teachers that you would hear up here are just, are just spies. They're just men and women that God's allowed to enter into a place in the Spirit and come back and let you know as God's people there's a whole land of promises available to you if you would dare to enter in and lay hold of it and possess it and walk in it yourself. Now there's giants. This is true. These are demonic entities that are setting on some of your promises squatters if you will they have no legal right to be there they're there illegally because their power illegally has already been dealt with on the cross for example Jesus will not heal you today Jesus will not deliver you today Jesus will not provide for you today Jesus will not give you a breakthrough today Jesus did it 2,000 years ago when he hung on the cross and he paid the price for it now do you want to lay hold of it and possess it or just let it stay under the control of the enemy they have no legal right they have no jurisdiction they're illegal squatters and most of it's fear it's just sitting in there trying to intimidate you that if you were to take a step toward that you're either not going to get it or people are going to think you're silly or foolish or whatever it's just that intimidating spirit that would want to keep us out of the blessings and the promises of God that's what's interesting about the word possess. That's a Hebrew word, yashar, which means to possess and dispossess. Same word. Possess and dispossess. So what am I trying to tell you? When you're laying hold of your spiritual inheritance and you're moving into this realm, I'm talking about of possessing what God has for you. Well, faith is what you lay hold of it with. And then with your words and your authority, you dispossess those things that are sitting on your promises. What am I saying? Quit talking to God about how big your problems are start talking to your problems and tell them how big your God is and start dispossessing those things that are trying to hold what belongs to you spiritually speaking you follow me lay hold of it walk in it this is what God is talking to us about in this hour and in this season is laying hold of our spiritual inheritance Laying hold of our lands of promises. There's a remnant, if you will, in the earth that are going to walk in the fullness of what God's called us to walk in. I'm not saying everybody's going to do it, but I'm telling you there's a remnant. It's all throughout the scripture. There's a triumphant reserve. There's a remnant. There's, I have to believe if you felt called to word alive, then you are called to a remnant that I'm called to speak to to say you're not going to live Christianity the normal way. You're going to be a bit more radical. You're going to be a bit more, more out there. You're going to be a bit more aggressive because you've heard once you taste you can't untaste and once you've seen you can't unsee and when somebody has tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that he's got a purpose you can't untaste it and you can't unsee it you've got to go in and lay hold of it so touch three or four or five people say I'm going in and I'm laying hold of it I think Hebrew says there's those that have tasted of the good word of God and the power of the age to come that's why. That's what these miracles, these signs and wonders, these supernatural things, it's just God giving us a taste so we can go in and lay hold of it and possess it. You see, you are called by God. Every person in this room has a destiny, 
has a purpose. You were sent on earth on a mission. You're not here just to get by. You're not here just to live and die. You're not here just to do life. God put you here on purpose. Ephesians says he created you for good works beforehand that you should walk in them. What am I saying to you? Every person here is not called just to get blessed, but you're called to be a blessing. There's a problem that you're supposed to fix. Everybody here has got a problem you're, you're called to fix. To make this earth a better place to live in. And God is calling us, I believe, to enter into the fullness. Somebody say fullness. The fullness of this inheritance. I know that we, you know, we've tasted, all of us have tasted, but there's a fullness coming. And I see everything prophetically because I just believe God speaks through all, all things. But you know my story, Bev and I's story, this land is important to us here. This land the church is on is very, very important to us. It's very spiritual. It's very prophetic for us. In that I stood on this land as a 16-year-old boy in my mom and dad's house and walked away from God, prayed a foolish prayer. God, let me go enjoy the next few years and I'll come back and serve you later. It was a really terrible prayer. And I did go and see what the world can offer. And I can tell you what it offers. Death, defeat, and destruction. That's what it offers. It lures you with success and fulfillment, but it only ends up in death, defeat, and destruction. That's all it has to offer. I'd be all for the world if it could fix it. But I've tried it. It doesn't fix it. Why our DNA was never destined to be fulfilled by the world, it was destined to be fulfilled by the presence of God in the kingdom of God. And so what happened was, you know my story, right? We wind up back here. My wife barely gets saved in the front seat of her car on this road that was nothing but a mountain and kudzu here. When, 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 you, when you pulled in then, now here's Word Alive. She got saved in the front seat of her car. Holy Spirit visited her in her car, got saved right out there on that road. Then my family, who had sold a, a, a lot of this land and, and, and relinquished this land, we then moved to Florida. That's where I got my calling to come into ministry. And who would have thought that the small piece of property that my mom and dad had reserved, that's that remnant, when we moved back to Alabama, being led by the, by the Lord, it's this exact property where I walked away from God 20 years earlier that God put back in our hands to build the church on that you're sitting in today. Now, I'm going to tell you what's powerful about that. There was only like seven acres left. But piece by piece, over these last 17 years, God has been giving parcels of land back into our uh, possession. And each time, it's a spiritual happening. It's a spiritual significance, significance or a sign that God was doing his work of restoration. And may, may I go ahead and prophesy to you this. The God you serve is a God of restoration. And you may have gotten off track in one season. You may have made a wrong decision in one season. You may have stopped short in one season. You may have fallen short in one season. But the God I serve is able to restore unto you even the time that was lost and can redeem time and bad choices and move you right. He put Jonah in a fish who spit him out right where he should have been all along. So touch two or three people and say, thank God for his grace. So now in these last two months, the reason I'm feeling this by the Holy Spirit, all this land now has come back into the kingdom of God, if you will, except two pieces of land. There was two pieces of land for the last 17 years that were kind of, the puzzle wouldn't fit. 
Two months ago, both entities called me and said, we want you to have this land. Now, not they're giving it to us, we're buying it, but you know what I'm talking about, they want to come in our possession. As soon as that happened, the Lord said, tell my people, now is the time for the fullness of the inheritance to come their way. The fullness of the inheritance. I believe it's a spiritual time like never before that we're standing upon right now. We're just like Israel. We're standing on the precipice of walking into our land of promises and we need to decide, are we going to enter in or are we going to go back out into the wilderness? You say, what do I have to do to enter in? You got to have a different spirit. Average people do average things. But God's spirit causes average people to do above average things. God's spirit causes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And they have a different spirit. See, anybody can follow the wide road that leads to destruction. Few follow the narrow road that leads to life. And I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about life while you're here on earth. Anybody can go with the crowd, go with the rest of the flow, be commonplace, do average things. But a few that God's looking for are willing to step out there and live life differently. With a different spirit, knowing God's called you to be different, to do different, to do supernatural exploits for the kingdom of God. The scripture is in the same passage the story we're reading, and it's Numbers 14, I believe it is, verse, uh, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a... Because my servant Caleb, because he has a... I said, my servant Caleb, because he has a... Different spirit. What is that different spirit? He followed me fully. He followed me fully. Not part way. Not halfway. Sold out. Fully. He had that spirit. I may die fighting a giant, but I'm gonna I'd rather die look going after a promise fighting a giant than dying in a wilderness wandering around with the rest of these people that I've been wandering around with. If you're going to die, which last I checked, death toll rate's 100%. So if you're going to die, I'd rather die in pursuit of something awesome than just Wait to die. I'd rather follow him fully. I'd rather fail at a hundred things and accomplish two than fail at nothing and accomplish nothing. I read recently this crazy thing. Mozart and Bach, they, all these great songs they wrote, you know, I thought they just... By inspiration, penned these songs, and they were awesome. Mozart wrote 600 to get five. 600. 595 of his songs sucked. 
and five change the world. See, that different spirit gets inside of you. You're not, when that, if that different spirit gets a hold of you, you're not willing to sit godly by, and you will risk anything and everything in pursuit of what you feel God talking to you about. You will risk failure. You will risk persecution and, and, and people talking about you and saying things about you to, to, to go after a dream, to go after a purpose. And so I was sent this book that just inspired me further as if I needed more inspiration in this season of my life. I was sent this book during July by Mark Batterson called Chasing the Lion. It's a sequel to his book, In a, in a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. That's the name of the book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. You say, where'd he get that from? 2 Samuel 23. It says there was a guy named Benaniah who wound up with a, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You say, what does that mean? I don't know, but it doesn't sound good at all to me. I'm just going to tell you right that. I don't know what the snowy day has to do with it. I don't know what the pit has to do with it. All I can tell you is that does not sound like a promising situation to be in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Why they added it on a snowy day, I do not know, but it must have been bad. What's interesting is Benaniah in a pit with a lion on a snowy day did not try to get out of the pit. He chased the lion in the pit on a snowy day and killed the lion. And he's recorded as one of David's mighty men. That's that different spirit. You see, the Christians with a different spirit, you don't run from problems, you run to them. You don't run from demons, you run to them. You don't run from conflict, you run to it. Knowing you are well able to overcome any obstacle that God would put in your way. It's a different spirit. It's a victor's mentality, not a victim mentality. It's when, it's the different spirit, you see your struggles as a benefit. Other people see their struggles as just bad things happen to them. You see your struggles as God saw you valuable enough to let you have it because he's wanting to do something inside of you to make you better. You know what? If you read the rest of this story, it's powerful. It says, it, oh, Joshua and Caleb got up and said, hey, all these enemies, all their giants, they're just bread for us. They will just feed our different spirits. In a pit with a lion on a snowy day. God, I just love saying that. Let me show you what this spirit looks like that I believe God's calling us to walk in. This different spirit. It's called the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. Put it up here. Let's look at it. Quit living life if the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. <laughs> Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that's destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. 
Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane. And don't let go. Live like today's the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges and blaze new trails. Stand up as a line chaser in your family and say, everybody before me may have wound up in this iniquitous pattern, but I'm gonna burn that bridge in the name of Jesus and I'm blazing a whole new trail for me and my family. This is when I burst out in tears reading this in bed with Bev right beside me reading this, but I just burst out in tears. Put it back up, please. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Jesus up in heaven saying, that's my girl right there. That's my boy. They chasing the lion. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. That's right, that right there set somebody free. Because I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I, I honestly, I, until I read that, I didn't know what was wrong with some of us. Because we get in this atmosphere and God's presence is here and, and I'm sorry, I'm judging you. I'm like, don't love God. <laughs> oh, prideful. That's not it at all, is it? You're just letting what's wrong with you, keeping you from worshiping what's right. You, you, somehow the enemy's lied to you and think all of us that are radically worshiping him is because we're right. Oh, no, we're radically worshiping him because we're not right. We're, we're believing for him to make us right. <laughs> we're... We're radically worshiping because we need to be made right, not because we're right. If we were right, we wouldn't need to worship him. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Isn't that powerful? That's that different spirit I'm talking about. That's that spirit that God is leading us to be those different people in the earth. You say, what is holding us back from that? What is holding us back from walking this way, living this way? I believe I've got the answer. And the Lord told, told me this over these last couple of months. I've got a translation for you on the screen and I've, I'd rather, I'm going to read you a different translation, but you can go, go there with me. I like, I like this one a bit better, but you can read along with this one. So go ahead and put it up. Here's what, I'm, here's what I believe that God's asking us to do today. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your own desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you don't have you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Now, the reason I like this is this because this is what God's got me with. And he uses strong language here. He says, adulterers and adulteresses. That's powerful language. 
And by the way, he's writing to the church. James is writing to the church. He's not writing to sinners or the lost. He's writing to the church. And he's calling us, James is calling us adulterers, adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enemies with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And I read that and I was meditating with the Holy Spirit and I said, Holy Spirit, I want to be your friend. Just like this, he said, then you cannot be a friend of the world. And I immediately went to what I thought of the world, right? Drinking, smoking, cussing. That's not worldly. That's what I call boat sins. Everybody sees them, but they won't kill you. Submarine sins. Pride, greed, judgment, gossip, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness. That'll kill you. But you don't ever see those. They're deep in here. And they're worldly. Where do all these fights and wars come from among you? Your worldliness trying to get your own way. Only reason you, only reason you should be bitter at somebody else is you thought they were supposed to do something for you God did. There's no other reason to be bitter. Unless you were looking for them to meet your need instead of God. Why else would you be bitter? I was praying one time. I said, Lord, change those people. The Lord said, what are you talking about? I said, they're using me. And they were. He said, I thought that's what you prayed. I said, what do you mean? He said, you prayed, use me, Lord. So I sent somebody to use you. What are you complaining about? If I gave you everything they're using, your time, energy, resources, why are you complaining about them using? Why are you bitter against them when I can only do for you what you need me to do? They can't do for you what you need me to do for you. Unforgiveness. The only reason you would be totally living in unforgiveness is because you really don't believe God forgave you. Because if you really believe God forgave you and your ignorance and stupidity, then there's no way you'd be able to hold somebody up. That's worldliness. That's what it means to be a friend of the world, trying to get it in your own way. Trying to manipulate or control people, even for a godly purpose. Not trusting at the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's trying to scare people with hell instead of trusting the Holy Spirit can convict them in their hearts and bring them to the knowledge of Jesus. That's manipulation. It's worldliness. God said you can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. What does the scripture say? The spirit who dwells in you is jealous. I love this though, but he gives more grace. So he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is the opposite of the world. Humility is opposite of the world spirit. Therefore, submit to God. 
Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Or this translation says, give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run away from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. You sinners, or one translation says, you double-minded. You double-minded people. Clean the sin out of your life. You who are trying to follow God in the world at the same time. Clear your mind, you double-minded. Be sad. Cry. Weep. Change your laughter into crying and your joy into sadness. Humble yourselves in the Lord's presence and he'll honor you. Talking to the church, he said, quit laughing, start crying. Be sad a little while. Humble yourself. Because you've been trying to live in two worlds. You can't live in two worlds at the same time and expect to be an inheritant of the kingdom of God. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to Kent. I'm telling what the Lord's telling me. But unfortunately, I think we found ourselves wanting all that God has for us, but we've not wholly given our lives to God. We want to resist the devil, but we're not submitted to God. You want the devil to get out of your marriage, but you've never submitted your marriage to him. You want the devil to get off your money, but you've never submitted your money to him. Where do all these wars and these fightings come from among us, he says? They come from your own desires and your own lives wanting to get your own way instead of getting it God's way. You want it your way and your timing the way you want it instead of trusting that God will give it to you his way the way he wants it in his timing. God said, that's a, that's, you're, you're, you're going to wind up an enemy of mine. Because you're going to be trying to get all the stuff I don't want you to have at this time. Now, not that God doesn't want you to have stuff. Not that God doesn't even want you to have pleasure. He just wants you to know where you're supposed to get it from. And, he, and he's not just doing it because he's some God up there that's insecure. He's doing it because he knows where you're trying to get it will not ultimately give you what you're looking for. It's going to leave you disappointed. Bev and I have been exercising, walking and running in the mornings. And I was running the other morning and I heard this scripture and it was just out of nowhere. And it was this, if that was not enough, I would have given you much, much more. I knew it was in the Bible. I went and scurried, found the Bible. It was King David when he committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband. Y'all remember that story? The prophet comes to him, powerful. He says, hey, if there was a guy who had a bunch of lambs and been really blessed... But he went and took a lamb from a guy who only had one little lamb. What do you think we ought to do to him? David said, kill him. He said, you're the man. There's your Sunday morning message. <laughs> you're the man. God came and told David, he said, I've given you the house of Saul. I've given you wives, I've given you lands, I've given you buildings, I've given you authority, I've given you glory, I've given you a presence, anointing, I've given you everything. And if it wasn't enough, I'd have given you much, much more. God has no problem with more. God has no problem with much. He has a problem when you try to get it through worldly means instead of letting him give it to you in your life. That's what the problem is.
You say, well, why can't then, would I want to live this way? Well, the, hopefully it's obvious, you know, for your own sake and blessing. But it's because we have an inheritance as a church. Why is it, why is it, why is it necessary for you to, to live this life I'm talking about? I'm talking about a, let me just back up because we'll make sure I'm clear of this. I'm talking about a life totally committed to God. I'm not talking about 50 50. I'm not talking about, you know, you know, party and party. I'm talking about a life totally surrendered, committed to God. See, I can't find one place in the Bible where Jesus said, worship me. Not one. I love worshiping him because I think he was worthy of it. But he didn't ask for it. Not one place. Not one place did it say, worship me. Not one place did it say, repeat the sinner's prayer. When Jesus preached, he asked this question. Do you want to follow me? Because I'm not only the Savior, I'm the way. Yes, you want to follow me? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. And follow me. He that tries to save his life will lose it. But he that loses his life will find it. Did you know in the, that no Christian in the Bible called themselves Christian? It was sacrilegious. It was as if you were using the Lord's name in vain to say, I'm a Christian. The only way you were able ever labeled a Christian is somebody else said it about you. They said, oh, he must be a Christian because you walked like Jesus walked. You weren't a Christian because what you believed. You weren't a Christian because you was Baptist. You weren't a Christian because you went to Word Alive. You weren't a Christian because you, 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 you played Hillsong. You weren't a Christian because you had a fish on your car. You weren't a Christian because you had a cross around your neck. You weren't a Christian because you had a label. You were a Christian because somebody else said you were a Christian because they recognized the same virtue in you that was in Jesus whom they had met. If people didn't know you, would they call you a Christian? Or are we living so much like the world that there's not much difference? Are we just living halfway lives? Like, Lord, you can have my sin, but you can't have my money. Lord, you can have my sickness, but you can't have my time. Lord, you can have my problems, but you can't have my will. 
If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I've watched a lot of movies about kings and royalties, and I never see anybody walking in like. It's. Because he's the king. He's Lord. Of all. That's why it says many on that day will say, Lord, Lord. We prophesied to you. Didn't say Jesus, Jesus. Lord, Lord. We prophesied to you. We did. He said, didn't know you. Not that he don't know you because he knows everybody. You didn't know him as Lord. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee. And we want the devil to flee, but we're not submitted to God. We still fight for our own way, wanting our own way. True submission is literally giving everything to God. Wherever you say to go, I'll go. Whatever you say to do, I'll do. Whatever you say to give, I'll give. Whatever you ask of me, I freely give it to you because you gave it to me anyway. Your Lord. I realize this I realize this isn't the broad Christian message. But I've also realized I'm not called to the broad Christianity. I'm called to a remnant of believers who are going to live in a different spirit and walk in their inheritance because I'm not saying everybody has to live this way, but I'm just saying there's going to be somebody that lives this way. Somebody's going to get to a place in God to where we're so living in God that we're going to change the world. And why is it important? Because we've got a, the church has an inheritance. What is our inheritance? Psalm 2.8, ask for the nations and I'll give them to you as an inheritance. God built Word Alive International Outreach not so we could be a social club, not, not so we could get together and feel better about ourselves. Not so that we could change our behavior. Not so we could speak in tongues and say we're spiritual. He gave us this place so we could be empowered by the kingdom of God and go out here and change a lost and dying world and see the kingdom of God. That's what God called us to do as a nation. He called us to live life realizing that America's not the kingdom. Only 4% of the world live in America and we consume 40% of the goods. 2.2 billion people live somewhere else around the world on less than a dollar a day. Starving to death. Don't have clean water and have never heard the good news of the gospel. And you're worried because Davey wears a hat backwards leading worship. Why? Because you want it your way. It ain't right. It ain't right. 
So I've had a decade of wars and trouble and whatever. I said, Lord, where do all these come from? He said, within you. You create them because you're trying to live in two worlds. If you get in me, submit to me, you'll struggle, but you won't have problems. Oh, you'll struggle, but you won't have problems. Problems come when you don't know what to do. A problem is you don't know the solution. A struggle is you're going through it, but you know exactly what you're supposed to do, and you just walk right on through it with the instruction of God. There's one prayer that I'm hopeful you're going to pray today with me, and it's a prayer. Thank you for feeling bad for me, my brother. There's one prayer that I'd like, that I, that I think, I'll just say it like this. There's one prayer I'll guarantee you'll get an answer. If you pray it today, I guarantee an answer by tomorrow. If you, I got a prayer that you can pray today that will guarantee you to get an answer by tomorrow. If you've never had a prayer answered, I'll, I, if you pray this one, it'll be answered by tomorrow. Probably answered before you leave. You say, what is that prayer? Lord, what is the next step you want me to take to fully follow you. You don't have to do it all at once. What's the next step? Just tell me what's the next step you want me to do to start fully following you. He'll answer you just like this because there's no greater desire on the heart of God than to see you walk in his will. And I just feel like God's saying we can't live halfway in, halfway out. We either got to get all in or get out. And I'm not saying that mean. I'm saying it to my own life. It, trying to live in the world and in the kingdom sucks because you're double-minded and you're unstable in all your ways. Conflict inside. It's, it's a horrible way to live. That's why Jesus says something radical like, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. That's, 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 that makes you want to vomit because it's, it's not life-giving. I mean, if you want to stay in sin, jump out of God and go just get full in sin. I'm just saying it's more fun that way. Now understand it's going to be death. But don't keep trying to do both. And I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. I'm talking about practicing. Don't keep practicing sin. I, this blew my mind. Ephesians 5 lists the works of the flesh. And it says those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about making a mistake. We all make a mistake. But I'm talking about willfully practicing a lifestyle of sin. Thinking my Uncle Rod, who's my mom's brother who passed away at 92, who had a speech impediment, who I just loved to death after I got to know he was such a man of God. He said, in this, in this cool way he taught, he said, tell them to quit praying if I got a wrap sheet. A rap sheet. In other words, if you got a list of rap sheet, get that fixed, then start praying. Come on, somebody. I believe God's calling us 
at this season to say, do you want to keep, do you want to go back around the wilderness and just keep fighting your wars and all that kind of James 4 stuff? Or are you ready to submit to God, resist the devil, lay hold of your promises and tell the squatters to get off and start moving in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Can you dream with me just a minute? What in the world could happen around here if we all fully followed God? All in. Don't you love watching those gambling shows where all in? It's not sin watching gambling shows, by the way. I saw some of I didn't say I was gambling. I said I was watching people gamble. That's watching people sin. That's not sin. I, I just love, I love that move. God, it just does. Not living life with plan B. If plan A don't work, then it doesn't work. Then I'll die trying. But I don't have a plan B. I'm not backing up. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. I'm not compromising. I'm not looking for anything short of Jesus getting his full reward for everything that he paid to have. And I believe God's calling people to do the same. Just not going to live anymore halfway in, halfway out. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go in. I'm going to go on in, and I'm going to lay hold of what God's laid hold of me for. Yes. I'm going in. I'm laying hold of what I've been laid hold for. I'm going to lay hold of God's promises, lay hold of God's purpose in my will. You see, how do we do that? Romans 12, 2. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Proving that the will of God is both perfect and two other words that I forgot good and acceptable in other words God wants you to prove to the world that his will is good if I can just put, simply put this God's looking for somebody to enter in and then be able to prove to the world that God's will is only good that's what God's looking for he's wanting He's wanting for somebody that will live so close to him, they will be testimonies, poster childs of the goodness of God. They, they can't look at you and not say, God is good. God is good. I've seen it in their life. God is good. And I believe that's what God's calling us for today. I hope you enjoyed this message. You can find us on Facebook at Word Alive International Outreach, on Instagram at Word Alive Church, and download our Wayo app. Have a great week.